Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey guys, this is Kale Lowry. And this is V Rivera. We're the hosts of Baby, Baby Mama's, Mama's No, no Drama. Drama. Every Tuesday, we talk about parenting, co parenting, lifestyle, and sex, pop culture, current events, and pretty much all the things you want in one podcast. So download and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Listen to us every Tuesday and join us with all the tea. Well, I want to remind you again about our friend Jordan Harbinger. Jordan is an interesting guy, and of course, he has an interesting show. His life experience has been uh, wild and woolly. He's been kidnapped. He's been lived and visited all corners of the earth. He is an attorney. He has uh, speaks multiple languages. His show was named Apple, one of the best of 2018, and it's aimed at making you better informed. Perhaps even you want to improve your critical thinking. That is Jordan. Each episode is a conversation with a different, fascinating guest, and there is something there for everybody. For instance, he talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you. Another episode tells the story of a cinematographer who discovered a lost city in the jungle and made one of the most important archaeological finds of this century. Jordan's always focused on pulling useful, practical insights out of his brilliant guest and his brilliant mind. We're not talking about pop psychology or wishy-washy help. The episodes are loaded with wisdom. I enjoy the Jordan Harbinger Show. I think you will, too. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That is H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everybody, Dr. Podcast. Thank you all for being here. Appreciate you all supporting the pod. And uh, please do check out uh, Dr.TV for our streaming show. We've had some very interesting conversations over there, and I think the Corolla Faithful would like some of that stuff. Uh, and by the way, if you have suggestions for a guest on this show, contact at drdrew.com. And please do, do give a follow over at Instagram, Dr. Drew Pinsky. And uh, check out drdrew.com for all the pods we have over there. Don't forget, After Dark is always available. And uh, some interesting stuff coming up on that one, too. Today, my guest is Leah McSweeney, uh, actor, entrepreneur, reality television star. The book is Chaos Theory, Finding Meaning in the Madness, One Bad Decision at a Time. Boy, I think that's the title for a lot of people's lives. Um, it released in April, available wherever you get your books. You can follow you can follow Leah at Instagram on at Leah, L-E-A-H-M-O-B, Leah Mob. Uh, and she has a brand, Married to the Mob. Leah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So tell us, I guess we should start with, I've got a million questions for you, but I want to start with the book. Is it a, is it a memoir? I'm guessing. It's a Yes. It's a memoir. You know, I mean, uh, there, I guess there's kind of advice in there, but I just don't feel like I should be giving people advice. So it's more like a memoir and then me reflecting. So it's like reflective. Yeah, I get it. You, you know, I will tell you that advice is uh, generally overblown in other words advice is is because people people a they don't listen to advice and b they forget it five minutes later and under the best of circumstance they take away 20 percent of what you said but when they share in an experience with you that that they're invested in there's a narrative and there's an emotional component that they remember and that they learn from right the consequences of your choices they go oh i'm not gonna do that oh shit right yeah so good for you yeah Thank you. So can you can you share with us any uh, juice, <laughs> any tea? Any tea on what? <laughs> on some, some of the juicier moments in the book? Um, let's see. I mean, you know, I get into, I mean, I start with like my years growing up in New York City and growing up in um, Chelsea and going to school on the Upper East Side, which was very different from my neighborhood that I grew up in and kind of always feeling other than, which I think a lot of like alcoholics and addicts always say that they felt kind of like other than, or like yep. different. hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe even if I had gone to a school that was like more like my neighborhood or more with like my own socioeconomic kind of group, I would still have felt different. 
Um, so, so but, for people you know, that hang up, Sam, people that don't do New York. I mean, Chelsea back then was different. There's the Lower West Side right. and sort of not yeah. what it is today. It's not where people mm-hmm. are buying penthouses back then, and where the parks were all built. Right, that's Chelsea today. And the Upper exactly. East Side has always been professional money, that kind of thing. Did, did is that because your your this your family situation changed, or was it really just a geographic change? You know, we just like my family, my like my parents and my grandparents all grew up in the West Village in Chelsea. And that's where we lived, you know. And then, you know, my parents really busted their ass to send me to Sacred Heart. I had, you know, financial aid, partial financial aid. But obviously, you know, the girls at that school, you know, they were socialites. There was a lot of old money. You know, there was these kids there, whatever. So, right. I kind of used that as a, well, and I got expelled in eighth grade for no good reason. And I feel like that set me on a trajectory of like, well, since you're, you're basically labeling me as the bad kid, then I'm just going to be the bad kid. Lean into it. And I really leaned in. Um, (laughs) I really, really You know, it's when kids that do that, it's an identity. It becomes their identity. Right. I become yeah, I became the drug dealer. I become the drug addict. I become the jock. I become the bad kid. I paint my fingernails black and I hang out with, uh, you know, I don't know what what which, you know, it depends. So it depends what the trend era was. Right. You know, you, you would have been goth yeah, with black was, fingernail polish in the 90s, probably. I was um, I was a big raver. Mm. I was in I went to rave. So those were all, you know, I did all the club drugs and, you know, I, I barely went to school and. I mean, I really kind of, it's kind of a miracle that I I am alive and ended up coming out of it on the other side. But, you know, through that, and then finally getting sober in in, uh, 2009 at the age of 27 with a two-year-old daughter. Um, And I really just talk about, you know, the ups and downs of everything, motherhood and starting my own brand and like doing that while dealing with alcoholism at the same time, you know, then getting sober, which is like really it was very gnarly and not easy to do. And mm-hmm. the first couple of years mm-hmm. difficult. And mm-hmm. that came with a whole set of new things because now I have to deal with how I feel. And I never had to deal with how I felt. And the reason I drank and did drugs was because I did not like how I felt when right. I wasn't drunk or high. Right. Um, and, and I'm pretty open also about, you know, met the mental health stuff, which, which I didn't, wasn't even aware of until I stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. And doing drugs, I didn't even know that I had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Even though alcoholism, I think, is a mental illness, pretty much. You know, oh for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, it's it's what the way I think about it is you have trauma, right? Usually, it's some some sort of trauma. Uh, then it is whatever the neurobiological consequences of that trauma is. So your personality development, your mood, your your ADD, all that stuff gets into the mix. Uh, or it just does genetically; it gets in there, and now you you're you don't trust because you've been traumatized, so you're not looking to the you know usual sources for solutions. You look out in the world, and oh, these try this, I feel better, and now it's on, and now you create a second problem. So you have your original whatever, and now you have the yeah. second disorder, which is addiction, right? So you have to, and the and the problem, the really challenge for people is a lot of people stand back and go. Well, I'm using because I don't like how I feel, so I got to change that. I got to get that better, and then I won't use. N- no, <laughs> that was when you were 14. N- now you have two problems, and the second one that you don't want to deal with, you have to deal with first. That's the addiction. And also, the addiction creates, obviously, so much more depression, and it creates so much more trauma because right. when you're an addict, like, you know, you're susceptible to so many more traumatic things happening. Right, to you. you you do shit, <laughs> you do shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so how's know. sobriety been? So tell me about your sobriety. What, so you said two years of struggle. Um, it's, it's rarely a straight road to success. So I, I can imagine what those first two years were like. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't a straight road. Um, I I start. You know what? I kind of like stopped going to like twelve step programs and like kind of started like. Going to like the Hare Krishna temple, which was great. I love I love the Hare Krishna temple, but um, 
I kind of just fell far away from the program and like started smoking weed. And then like I did Molly and then I was like, I'm going to start drinking again because I'm in a better place. And like, look, I did, I can smoke weed and it's not turning into anything terrible. Gosh, I've never heard and- this story before, Leah. I've never heard this. <laughs> I know. I'm so unique. I'm so unique. And, terminally um, unique. I, we call that terminal uniqueness. Terminally unique. Exactly. Um, and I went out, I drank for a year. It happened to be like a few months before I got casted on this show. So mm. basically my relapse was filmed. Okay, good time. And good times. And <laughs> I ended up um, getting sober a year later and I quit mm. drinking like, you know, a few weeks into the pandemic. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. Takes what it takes, my dear. Takes what it takes. And congratulations on being uh, here. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, I'm actually like recommitting again, like because I was smoking weed and kind of just not I had to be honest with myself about like my intentions with like, you know, maybe if I like went in for like a procedure and they were like, do you want something? And I, <laughs> I want you know what I mean? Like I'm an addict. So I had to be honest and change my day count because yeah. I wasn't really yeah. taking it seriously enough. It, it's the notion of surrender. Are, are you all the way in? Now I now I am. Yeah. But it that took a long time. I mean, I, I came in in 2009. Yeah. I mean, I went to my first rehab at 15, which I which I also talk about in the book. I mean, I went to many rehabs. That was basically my my teenage years were rehabs, therapeutic communities and halfway houses. Do do you look back at those therapeutic communities as useful or destructive or both? Well, the therapeutic community was run by nuns, and I ended up leaving after four days. But the halfway house was, that, halfway was, that, house, was that that one in New Jersey? Is that the one in Jersey that has over the door for the reluctant to to stop or something for the, for the reluctant to sobriety? No, no. It, it was in the Catskills. Okay. It was in the Catskills. Okay. It, it was pretty intense. I was the only girl there that wasn't court mandated. Right. Right. So. Yeah. You can imagine. Yeah. I was like, I'm out of here. Um, but the halfway house, I thought, was really helpful. And, you know, treatment, it works if you want it to. I mean, like in 2009, when I finally got sober, I didn't go to treatment. I just like, you know, went to. Right. Because the, so the seed had been planted and all those exposures you've had. So the, so that's why a lot of people look at it. They're like, yeah, I was treated 14 times and all of them were useful. None of them got me sober, but I don't regret any of them because they all got me clo- one step closer to where I needed to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I'm happy that, I mean, I'm just, thank God, like, I'm sober today. I mean, so many people, you know, I, I always wonder why some people get it and some people don't. If you and can like, figure that out, you'll win a Nobel Prize. I I, 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 I have a, a famous moment in my own career working with addicts where I was in this lecture on this, you know, patient that struggled, 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 and all of a sudden she came in and was engaged. And she raised her hand in the program. She goes, you know, here's my story. I wasn't ready, and now I'm I'm in. I get it. She goes, and then she said, how do you give somebody get it? I thought, oh, man, that's the question. And and we don't have an answer to that. It's just stay with it. Sometimes I feel like like my theory kind of is like that people who end up never getting sober and friends of mine who have passed away or continue to just, you know, be be heroin addicts and just never stop – I feel like they're in so much pain mm. that they cannot stop. They cannot imagine having to feel the pain of not using and whatever they have to go through. I mean, I don't let, know. That's let, my let, let me let me, let me let me construct it for you this way because you're you're onto it, which is a the pain of being without the drug is just what you experienced. But when you've been using large amounts of opiates for long periods of time, your pain perception is all fucked up. So you can't tolerate the pain, right? So they've changed their brain. So A, there's the pain that you're familiar with. Then it's the heroin addict's perception of the pain, which is overwhelming. And this is the really tough part. They are in love with heroin. They fucking love it. And when the love of your life and the only thing that hasn't let you down, you have to say farewell to – and look and dig into this, the pain, well, now, how do you get somebody to do that? It's, it's quite hard. They have to be convinced they're going to die. And all that that pain, pleasure, diathesis makes it really difficult for them to see that. It's hard. It's really hard. 
No, that's really interesting. I didn't know all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense too. Yeah, I've had, um, I've had opiate addicts tell me at the moment of suicide, listen to this. I've said this before in this podcast. We'll see if people hear me this time. At the moment of suicide, gun in the mouth, they think to themselves, oh, I, I, I can't do this to my drugs. I love them too much to kill myself and leave them behind. No. Yes. That's yes. Crazy. Crazy, right. It's crazy. Thus, thus, so basically the heroin saved them from killing themselves? I mean, that's I, like, yeah, I mean, this is the craziness of, of the mental illness we call addiction. It's crazy, right? Now, not now they could they could go from there to dying five minutes later of a fentanyl overdose, right? I mean, so you know, what what did they really save themselves from? I feel like there's really not enough studies of the actual brains of addicts and alcoholics. Like, I wish that there was more brain studies. You, you should maybe you should expose yourself to that. There there are actual giant institutions that the government run that are just that. The National Institute really? of Drug Abuse, NIDA, National Institute of Drug Abuse. Just go to their website and you'll see a billion PET scans and functional MRIs and all kinds of theories. We actually not only know what's going on in the brain, we know what's going on in the cells in your brain and what regions of those those cells and what they're doing. We just don't know how to undo it. We know what's going on. We have very clear ideas. I did get a brain scan mm-hmm. recently and um, – the doctor suggested a medication based off the brain scan and it actually freaking worked. Like was that, was that a pet? Like was, was that crazy. Dr. Amen, a pet scan? Yeah. 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 Well, that, yep. that, that, that is a, in, it's, it's a, I, I know Dr. Amen very well and I admire what he's doing, but it, that's still a little um, loose. It's not hard science yet. Uh, and it really doesn't apply to the addiction so much as mood things and concentration things and stuff More like that. More like mental health. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Completely. But go to NIDA. You'll see a, would, there's, there's there's another institution called the National Institute of Alcoholism and Alcohol Abuse, NIAAA. So there's two institutions with thousands of people, thousands of scientists just looking at the brains of alcoholics and addicts. So trust me, it's out there. It's well, being done. I'll give my – I will totally <laughs> – I know. I know. I'm offering up – I'm offering up my brain. I know that. every every addict I treat has a similar feeling about their brain. Like, I, I want to know more. Tell me about it. What's going on in my brain? Why did I do this? Yeah, yeah. So uh, let, let's switch topics for a second. And before we do, um, I mentioned the Married to the Mob brand. You also have Buy Women for Women, mttmnyc.com. Can you tell us about that? That's all the same brand. Same brand. Okay. Married. Yeah. And uh, – all right. So I, I, now I, I bring this up gently and we, can, and we can not talk about it or I don't know how you feel about it now, but I, I was interested when I, when I was reading about this was the notion of toxic femininity that you wrote about. And I know you got kind of clobbered for that. <laughs> how, how do you feel about that now? Can you tell us what your thinking is or was and has it evolved? And w- w- It's an interesting topic, and, and I think Amber Heard has done us the favor of sort of bringing this up into the public consciousness again. You know, I think that article is one of my proudest moments, and I stand by it. And um, I think I was completely right about Asia Argento, who was like, you know, out here kind of acting like a morning girlfriend when she was actually kind of also cheating on Anthony Bourdain and, and like treating it's actually coming out now. Someone just wrote a book that's coming out that she put a wedge between him and his daughter. I mean, you know, I don't think I would have been as upset and even written the article if I, if she wasn't trying to just obviously get so much press around like using the tragedy for her own, like, self selfish reasons Mm -hmm. and i just felt like that was so disgusting look of course if someone puts a gun to their head or hangs himself or whatever that is their choice and no one can be blamed for that but if you literally cheated on him the day before and it was in all the newspapers and he killed himself the next day i think you should feel a little bit guilty or some kind of compassion or something you know and just the way she was acting was just horrible and I couldn't believe how no one was saying anything about it. Everyone, just because she was a victim of Harvey Weinstein's, everyone was too scared to say anything about her. 
And then it turns out a couple weeks later, the New York Times, you know, comes out the fact that she was actually a predator and like had her own sex scandal. And she made a mockery of the Me Too movement. She just made a total mockery. Well, that was the pro. I kept telling my friends that had legit, you know, I was doing a radio show with Lawrence Yvonne, who was literally the first person to say Me Too. She was the potted plant recipient of Harvey's Uh affection. And and I love Lauren. She's a brilliant woman. And I and I said, you got there's no there's no due process in this. It's all fiat, guillotine. Any accusation is true, and that's it. And I said, it's gonna it's gonna you're gonna hurt the cause. I'm all for the cause, but you got to get we got to figure out a way, or you need to pay attention. And she eventually agreed with me. But there was so much emotion at the beginning, right? It had unleashed this thing that people have been feeling for a long time, and. Um, you know, I don't blame them. I, I get it, but but it does. It still needs some kind of processing. Well, I, and again, Amber Heard is a great example of that. I, I, we're completely seeing that with Amber Heard. And look, I don't think like Johnny Depp is like just some totally innocent guy either. Like I think they're both like fucking off the rails and yes. they're both in his house. Yes, the fact that she did wrote this article in the Washington post and like ruined his career when like she was just as bad as him. And like she shit in his bed and was beating him up. I I, I can't even like, I can't believe that like she even thought it was a good idea to write this article, but like, no, (laughs) but, but two things were going on, right? If this happened to you, it's whatever is on the other side doesn't matter. You're the victim, right? That that was the message she received, and that's and before this moment, that that was it, right? So she was well supported, but number two, and this is the part that no one's talking about just yet, and I don't blame her for this even. I I blame the world for not understanding her condition. So we know she had an MMPI test, and we know categorically she has a mixed personality disorder, borderline histrionic. It's a, it's a bad combo, but the borderline piece when it's advanced. They don't perceive reality normally. They, it's, they're, the, they're the people for which doctors have to walk in the room with a nurse because the doctor can sit there and go, I, oh, I'm so uh, great. Okay, we're going to help you and, and then walk out and, and a borderline will go, why did he yell at me? In fact, in fact, I think he touched me. Well, he touched me. He made me feel like he was going to rape me. What's going on here? And, and that's her perception, not a lie. That's her perception. And these distortions that particularly borderline women have need to be brought to the public consciousness. I don't know what we do with it exactly, but I think Amber Heard's kind of bringing that in. Because there's not really a cure or like a medication no, or whatever. No, but But it also shouldn't be running amok in the legal system and it shouldn't be allowed to be libelous. Right, it, there should be some no. defense. Now, I'm not saying here's the the risk in all this. Every time a woman with with histrionic features makes a makes an accusation, they go, "Ah, she's distorting." That's worse. That's a worse situation, right? So we're we're stuck in this rock and hard place where it's believe everything if they say it, it is so. Versus, ah, she's a borderline. She might distort. So we really can't. We don't know what happened. I, I don't know how we solve this. I really don't. But at least we're sort of struggling with it now for the first time. Um, yeah, I think like people, I think this this Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, like people are like, wow. And so many people are turning. And again, I don't think people should be just turning against her and mm-hmm. like team him. No. Nope. He obviously is like totally not just some innocent victim. But everyone is, you know, very polarized in their thinking and think and no one thinks with any nuance. And that's really well, the let's, problem. Let, let's bring in the nuance on the Johnny Depp side because very few people do this now. When he was using, I mean, he's a severe addict alcoholic, severe, blacked out yeah. a lot. I bet he was a scary fucking dude when he was wasted. So, so scary. Yeah. And that's, that's abuse that's abusive yeah. if if she were my patient i'd say get the hell out of there who knows where this is going to go who knows what he's liable to do but yeah, 100%. the problem with the borderline is they go in for the drama that's the problem oh yeah they like thrive off of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so how do we solve this that's- leah come on now solve it for us right uh, now <laughs> i'm just happy that like with all my issues i'm not borderline <laughs> i know that well i bet when you were using you appeared borderline i bet you oh for sure. When I was yeah. using, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. I also really don't believe that I'm bipolar 2, which I've been diagnosed with, because I think bipolar 2 is such a 
like all those hypomanic um, traits are also coping mechanisms for addicts who are not um, getting the help they need. So very interesting you would say that. Um, I would say the vast majority, not just the majority, but the vast majority of addicts diagnosed bipolar in the first two years of their sobriety were not. <laughs> they were either look. Oh, by the way, a lot of them are diagnosed when they're using, which is insane because everybody looks bipolar when they're using. It's like, like that's right. insane. However, let me say this. In that first two years of sobriety, mood stabilizing medication can be very, very helpful. Because when you're in that state, when your brain is on fire and it's still detoxing for those first two years, your mood's all over the freaking place, right? And so, so it, it it has some. So I don't. When people get that diagnosis, I, I don't. I don't. Sh- I just go, okay, fine. Take the Depakote or take the lithium, whatever. And, and it's helpful. It's helpful. But two or three years out, you should be thinking about getting off it <laughs> because the probability of even being bipolar is very low. And you're right about hypomania. Hypomania is not bipolar. Right there's a lot of hype. exactly yeah there's a lot of like, it's 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 a it's a thrill state and addicts are prone to being into that that's what workaholism like, is it's what a lot of business right. people do it's a lot of government people do they don't sleep they're into it they're excited about stuff all the time and they and they're hypomanic but that's not really bipolar really I mean it could be but it isn't exclusively so which is it's interesting that you brought that up I, I bet do do you talk to your peers in the rooms about that are you still going to meetings. Yeah, I still yeah. go to meetings yeah. and I definitely talk about like my outside issues or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, yeah, I was actually diagnosed on my 30th birthday. So that was like my third year into sobriety. Mm. And um, I was on, like, you know, they put me on so many different things that didn't work. Yeah. And obviously, like if I was on, I was on SSRIs, which helped. And if I was actually truly bipolar, it would have spun me into like an actual mania. So right. I just don't think that's there's exactly that right. Doctors that there's not that many doctors that know how to deal with addicts. There just isn't. Uh, Leah, like, there's, I, I rarely come across them. Rarely. And there's a, ton, really a shit ton to claim and don't know what the fuck they're doing. They really don't understand this illness. They don't understand it. And l- less than the illness, they don't understand recovery. They don't believe in it. They have no faith in it. They don't understand the process and, and all the stages of recovery. I mean, this is a highly nuanced experience that's getting you back to a fully thriving life, better than you ever knew you could be. You know, dealing with all the pain and all the shit, you're finally getting there. And very few physicians have experience with that. Very, very, very few. And it kills me. It kills me. I think that, like, the spiritual aspect yep. of the program yep. really throws them off because I've had doctors be like, why is God involved? I'm just like, oh, stop. Well, you, you know what's interesting about that is we can leave that alone. We don't have to participate in any of that. It's not our business. And also, even Carl Jung, Carl yeah. Jung yeah. even said yep. that alcoholics need a spiritual aspect to yep. recover. He did. A spiritual okay. experience, he said. They have to have an spiritual moment, a spiritual experience. And he's right. Yeah. And, and I, I would say it's even a little more nuanced. You have to have a moment of clarity. You have to have a moment of change. And you have to find something in the spirit after that or even as part of that. Um, and whatever that means, I have no fucking idea what that even means half the time. I just know that alcoholics know what it means. And so I have great reverence for it. And that's my point. Doctors can stay out of that. Just stay out of it. Well, grilling season is upon us. I don't know about you, but I am amped up. I have a perfect tool to make sure you don't undercook or overcook your meals. Meter. It's a sleek Bluetooth meat thermometer that tracks the temperature of your food and lets you know when it's ready and when to come back to the grill. You follow on your phone so you don't have to keep checking up on it and constantly opening and closing the grill. You'll nail that perfect steak and juicy chicken, and every time you'll get it just right with Meter. It can be used in a grill, smoker, oven, air fryer, whatever, anywhere. It comes with cloud service. You can have limitless range. You can still monitor the barbecue if you're inside watching TV. Monitor your steaks and chicken with the app. It's a perfect tool to be a grill master. And great gift for Father's Day if you haven't been shopping. Get 10% off with the code DREW when you shop at Meter, M-E-A-T-E-R. Get it, huh? Meter, M-E-A-T-E-R dot com. Again, 10% off with code DREW at meter.com, M-E-A-T-E-R. That is 10% off on meter.com with code DREW. Fire up the grill and get cooking with Meter. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And, of course, life can be overwhelming. We all know that, especially these days. 
prioritize your mental health. We should be taking care of it, and we shouldn't allow stigma or excuses to get in the way, especially now when you've got such convenient services like BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy, offering video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And you don't have to worry about being stigmatized and meeting somebody in a waiting room. There's nothing like that. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. I've been so impressed with these guys. I've sent patients, family. Think about using BetterHelp. The Dr. Drew Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Drew. That is Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Drew. Guru Nanda offers you a better reason to smile. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's not only embarrassing sometimes, but uh, listen. Guru Nanda offers you a better reason to smile. What Guru Nanda does, it's coconut and mint pulling oil, safe, natural. It takes away some of the more problematic bacteria from your mouth and protects the one you want to leave behind. Simply use before brushing. Your healthy, clean gums are only an oil pull away thanks to the carefully formulated Guru Nanda Coconut and Mint Pulling Oil. It's now available at Walmart and Walmart.com. And coconut mint pulling oil contains only the highest quality natural ingredients. It's free of alcohol or synthetic chemicals. If you're a recovering person, this is a great way to get your mouthwash. Pulling oil has stood the test of time. Swish coconut and mint pulling oil two to ten minutes a day for fresher breath and a brighter smile. Guru Nanda was one of the first to promote oil pulling in the U.S. And first to market, an easy solution, and it is the leading authority. Guru Nanda coconut and mint pulling oil freshens breath, pulls tartar, and gets bad bacteria out of the gum line and naturally whitens the teeth. Guru Nanda believes that oral care is crucial to your overall well-being. Register now at gurunanda.com slash win to win a $500 Walmart gift card and receive $3 off on each bottle purchase exclusively at Walmart. That is G-U-R-U-N-A-N-D-A, Guru Nanda. So, is your dog there? Is that what we're looking at? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so you're look, that's how I behave when my dog is bothering me during a podcast. <laughs> oh, look at him. Well, let's see him. Yeah. Come on. The, the, okay. He's a Pomeranian Chihuahua mix or something? Long hair Chihuahua. Long hair Chihuahua. Okay. Cute. Cute, cute. Does he have the, <laughs> does he have the zooms? That's the, it's the greatest feature of Chihuahuas. They zoom. What do you mean they zoom? When they get excited, they zoom around. They zoom back and forth. You know. Oh yeah, they go crazy. <laughs> they go so fast. It's nuts. I love them. Yeah, they go wild. That's so funny, Chihuahuas. Uh, we have we have a mix we live with. It was my mom's dog. She passed away, and on her deathbed, we're like, "Don't worry about the dog. We will take the dog. Don't worry. Stop worrying." And uh, I, I can't say it's been the most exciting dog to be an owner of, but she's part of the family now. So I want to talk a little bit about the borderline features um, of using, because I think people get confused about that too. So the 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 basic um, phenomenon there is that most people with drug addiction, when at least I can say this with accuracy, by the time they come into a treatment for addiction, they're operating their personality operations are either on the level of borderline or sociopath. And it's kind of in a, as a and, – and the women tend to be more borderline. The men tend to be more sociopathic. And it's sort of a survival thing. You're in kind of a survival mode at that point uh, to try to keep using essentially because your brain thinks using is necessary for survival. And help people understand what some of those – if you don't mind, you may not want to look back on this, but what some of your borderline traits were that you identify now that are just not part of who you are. And and by the way, let me just say, uh, something like 70 to 80 percent of those personality characteristics, 70 percent of the – 80 percent of the time, those personality characteristics go away with recovery. Yeah. I mean, I think that like when I was using my like interpersonal relationships were just a mess. Mm. Um, I had extreme fear of being abandoned. Like if I was in a relationship. Right. Right. Yeah. And I was, I was really psycho. psycho. Well, give an example. People don't, because people don't, because so fear of abandonment is a borderline feature. And when people are fear of abandonment, they create chaos in relationships. They're either leaving themselves or forcing somebody to leave or freaking out when somebody looks like they're going to leave. So there you are. Oh, yeah. 
just in a constant state of fear. I mean, you know, I had an on and off relationship with a guy that I met in the program who was totally fucked up too. Mm. And, you know, I was like showing up at his house at like, you know, 4 a.m. convinced that there was a girl there and no one was there. Yeah. Um, just causing destruction, just absolute destruction. Well, the, the thing about um, the obsessing over a guy early on uh, with borderline features, um, usually the guy that you will choose is a sociopath. Was so he, and he there you go, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so there you this are. Actually, but I actually wasn't using this. This is my first year of sobriety. I understand. I, I get so- it. Well, here's the deal. Anybody, well, here's one of the markers. Anybody that would fuck with somebody else's sobriety, which is your first year, you're not supposed to be, they know you're not supposed to be in relationships and they know what it does to people. It ruins their, their recovery. And so anyone who's got as much or more than you who reaches down into your first year and fucks with you, that that's a that's a that's a predator. It's not a good person. It was a very controversial relationship. I'll just leave it at that. People in the rooms were like definitely like, what the fuck? You know, they weren't happy with him. But um, but yeah, I was a total maniac when I was used when I was using and I definitely had, I mean, board, so many borderline traits, you know, just definitely causing absolute chaos wherever he went. Then chaos is chaos, chaos. right? Right, and chaos is a chaos is chaos and drama, unregulated. So, so the, some of the features, and think of Amber Heard as I say this, some of the features are chaos and drama, unreg, mm-hmm. unregulated hostility. So your hostility is coming out all over, just pouring out of your body all over the place, right? Aggression, yeah, hostility, actually, that kind of thing. Very aggressive. Yeah, extremely. So here are the features. So, so you know, mood instability. So your affects all over the place. Uh, identity instability. Who am I? What am I? That kind of a lot of those kinds of uh, you know self destructive impulses. I'm going to hurt myself if he leaves. Blah blah blah. You know, you know, it's all these are all these borderline. Tra- and and to some extent, it's it's a regressive state for addicts. You know, it's what they get. It's what they regress to in their sort of state of addiction. And I see so many people just get. In just all the way back. I mean, it's just all the way back. And so congratulations for being one of them. Thank you. It's yeah, a, I think uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp need to get sober. <laughs> no shit. And and I know people have been trying with Johnny for a long time. He's got real deal alcoholism. <laughs> real deal. Like it Sounds like he's really deep in it. So. Well, it's so hard when these people, you know, when they just don't walk into the rooms and be an addict like anybody else. If they want special care and they want privacy and blah, 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 you're fucked. You're done. That's, that's true. I mean, I was thinking it must like, how does Johnny Depp like go to an AA meeting? But at the same time, there's so many celebrities that do it. And, Correct. Like, in LA. Correct. And in LA. Yeah. So, and, and it's I mean, a perfect, not- and you can imagine how your disease would use it as a perfect excuse not to go. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's a perfect excuse. I have to buy my privacy, blah, 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 blah. They don't understand. And, uh, yeah, and he, it's true. He's actually, it's not false. It's true. And in spite of that, he needs to go, he needs to go. It's hard. I'll be, I'll be praying for both of them. Yes. That's about all we can do. But it is a great example of, uh, you know, and pathology finds pathology, right? That's why, that's why, again, back to the Me Too thing and this notion of toxic femininity. T- tell me more. I mean, do you have any – has that th- concept evolved for you since you wrote that article? Um, well, I just – I actually found it, like, patronizing that, like – you know, this, like, the new wave of feminism that was, like, kind of around back then and still is was very, like, we're victims and, you know, the men are, like – evil and i'm like how like that's just how i mean we're just as capable of being evil in different ways i mean don't minimize like our human experience and like the female power that we have which we have a lot of it you know um it hasn't really changed i think it's it's like you know i know toxic toxic masculinity is very real so is toxic femininity. I mean, we just, it's not as talked about, but I mean, Camille Paglia is like my, uh, you know, one of my like heroes. So I've, you know, love her. I mean, I've, I'm, at, yeah, I just read her stuff just before I go to bed. I mean, just, it's amazing. Um, is she unbelievable? You do listen to her. On, you, do you get her on podcasts and things? Have you seen her recently? I, yeah. I've seen her on YouTube and, and we actually like have a really, we email each other me and her oh i'm so i'm so jealous drop drop me into those email chains because she's one i have to like google words like i have to like 
yeah. we read her emails like five times and I get so nervous when I'm writing her back because like, <laughs> every, every email she sends me is like a work of art, <laughs> like an absolute work of art. Um, so, Speaks. you know, this notion that like, you know, women are just like meek and like, we're just being taken advantage of by men, you know, and back then it was like, remember the Aziz Ansari yep. thing? Like, yep. I don't even remember like who broke that story. If it was the New York times or what it was, but like, wow. Or actually it was some shitty website that broke the story, but like he like, it's okay. It sounded like an awkward date. It's yeah. not like sex, is not sex is very messy sometimes. And like Correct. relations between men and women or men and men and women and women Correct. are not just, so, just so easy and to, to deal with. I mean, obviously rape is a completely different story, but if the Aziz Ansari thing was such a, a mind fuck because yes. I was like, how is this even happening? Like, yes. how is this girl? But the girl thought it was sexual assault, which is so sad. But like, you know, it's like, it's almost like the definition keeps changing. You know, I'm like, if that's sexual assault, then I guess I've been sexually assaulted on every date that I've been on. Because like, <laughs> what the hell? Literally, I mean, honestly, like, what the fuck? It, well, you what know, but fuck? you know what's happened? You see, you're, you're lucky enough to... I, I don't know how old you are, but you, are you a millennial technically? You're not a millennial. Yeah, you're just you just missed it. But the millennial males are scared shitless and are just isolating and stick and staying with porn because it's too scary to to assert themselves and try to have a relationship. It really is. They they fuck themselves up really badly. That generation, their, their relationships are a mess. And I, I feel like they're coming out of it a little bit. They're they're moving out of it, but it was not good. I mean, their college life was all fucked up. Everything was a mess for them. Because I know, like, you know, the pendulum always swings. So yeah. who knows what Gen Z will be like? I don't. I mean, I guess my daughter is Gen Z. She's pretty critical thinker. Thank God. And good. All that. Good. Yeah. Luckily. How old is she now? Um, She's going to be 15 in June. Yeah, I, I have faith in that generation. I feel like they're going to get us back. Because you can't look at what's been going on for the last eight years and not go, what the f- – I, I don't want anything to do with this. This is gross. What is going on? What's wrong with these people? It's crazy. And it's it not really just is. the male-female stuff. It's all the extreme t- stuff. Oh, well, it's everything. Yeah, yeah. it's everything. Yeah. yeah, it's the resistance. It's the MAGA. It's the it, – it, you know, wherever you look, the extremes are the ones that are just losing it and – and frankly, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you feel this way. This is a complete sidebar. But I'm talking to a lot of people these days who say to me, I, I can't care about anything anymore. Just who cares? But things that used to be meaningful. And, and it's not depression either. It's not depression because I've, I've questioned them very carefully. And I feel it too. I know what this is. But I don't know where it's coming from. It's just this kind of – it's sort of a burnout meets everything's changed and everyone in the world doesn't care. So why should I care? Or or they care too much about things I don't care about. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's the, I think it's from just having a 24 hour news cycle and people have gotten brainwashed by watching CNN and Fox news. I mean, it's like, just, there's no middle ground. I mean, I like, I get all my news from like Substack or like podcasts, like breaking points or whatever. Like, I don't like I can't even fuck with like the mainstream stuff because it's all propaganda. It is you're you're I, there's literally nothing you've said in this interview today that I don't disagree with completely. Which is unusual, <laughs> which is very unusual. So so make sure your voice is out there. You know what I'm saying? Cuz you you have a clarity in your thinking that I think needs to be heard. You know what sometimes but you know what sometimes I think I don't even want to put my opinion out there I understand. because I don't even want to deal with the bull I get it. You know, I don't even I want to deal with, I don't want to deal with the bullshit. Like, yeah. of course I want to post something about Roe v. Wade, you know, but like I haven't yet because I just don't feel like dealing with whatever bullshit people mm-hmm. are going to be harassing me, like pro-lifers or, and also that's such a nuanced thing. It's like, we also have to give women like the room to be like, I had an abortion and it was a really hard experience, you know, but yes. like, it's not just like going to the council on, but yeah. we also need to ha- have that, that choice. That's, right. that was, that's my belief. You know? Again, but I'm, it's like keep I talking. Pre- I don't even want to post anything. <laughs> I don't want to post anything on Instagram because it's like I'm just so over like that that type of um, medium for like discussion. Yeah, I know. Well, you've got Camille Paglia, so let's go back to her. That's more interesting to me. So, yeah. so, so I found uh, she had a book, famous book called Sexual Personae. 
Have you seen that book? It's about 900 pages on art history. Yeah, I have it. yeah. Have it. it's hard to read, but I, I get I get what she was after there. And that's I don't remember why I fell into it, but I read it about 15 years ago and, and became a fan of hers immediately. Uh, I don't know why I found her. I can't remember. Huh. And, and – uh, and again, been a fan. And, and my question to you is, uh, I got a few questions if, if, if you can. One, do you have a podcast or stream or anything favorite if people want to get exposed to Camille Pagliis thinking that they should go to? You have to go on YouTube and yep. you have to watch, um, honestly, anything. There's like, there's one, there's a video from, that's like her and I think like Gloria Steinem, like debating. Like yeah. I've watched all of them. I mean, yeah. they're really good. Like, Anything on YouTube with her. It's not really podcasts, but just like if you search YouTube and you watch any of the Camille Paglia videos, like they're just, I mean, she's epic. <laughs> I mean, there's one where she breaks down Lena Dunham and it's like, oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I've heard it. Oh my God. She's just a savage. She's savage. Know? She's brutal. And she yeah. is a professor at Connecticut College now, if I remember right. Right. Um, actually, I think it's in. Philadelphia University of the Arts, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She used to be at yeah. Connecticut College, I think. But but she's been there since '84. Interesting. Why did I think wow. Connecticut College? Um, she, 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 her interviews with um, I don't you know I, I almost hate to bring this up because people have feelings about him, but I think some of her just most <laughs> stunning moments are when she's being interviewed by Jordan Peterson. Oh yeah, those are that's a really good interview. I watched that too. She has a, they yeah. have a couple of them. They have a couple of them and she just she goes to town on what now we would call critical theory that then they were calling uh post-structuralism, which is really kind of the same thing. And uh so what do you guys write about? What is Wait, she what? what do you guys write about? What is she interested in? What do you Oh, she um she Loves the show that I'm on, Real Housewives. So she wait now. Wait a minute. That's already what the. F- <laughs> That's already crazy. Why does she love it? She, she loves that show what? because I. Because <laughs> she's so interested in human behavior yeah. and like yeah and the differences between men and women and how we like I you see. know okay all, got it right so she's also and, interested and the- in ethnicities and history right like how how women remember her whole thing on Italian women and Italian men yes. and yeah yeah. Yeah. So she's well, she loves watching them because it's like just seeing women being, you know, being women with each other. And um so she she sent me this long thing and like compared me to this like Greek mythology thing and oh, I had fantastic. to google it. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean it's pretty amazing. She's oh, awesome. She's going to say you're Dionysus. Is that her thing? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you're you're Dionysian, right? And so yes. so this is her construct. She has this construct of Apollonian versus Dionysian, which is essentially Emotion, intellect, chaos, order—this sort of di- this yeah. sort of yin yang diathesis thing—and she has a whole multiple books about it. Um, it's it's quite a thing that she uh, talks about, uh, and she's not wrong. She would call you chthonic. She has this word chthonic, C H. You have to look it up. C H T H. I think it's C H T H O N I C. Chthonic. And uh, you'll f- probably find it in one of the emails. And you probably just glossed over it. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> I mean, it's very intimidating to get emails from her. Oh, my God. Just- Please. Sh- oh, my God. I'm so jealous. I want you to send me one. I, I, I'm asking. I'm way. This is a bad boundary issue just me even saying that. But I'm really jealous. I really just think uh, I just I'm so fascinated with her mind and I her know, history, her too. You know, she's lived. Uh-huh. She's lived feminist history. And she identifies I think she identifies as transgender gay or something, right? Isn't that what she'll say? I feel like now she does. She identifies as like trans. I don't I don't know if she's like going by he or whatever, but like yeah. I think she does identify as that now. Yeah. Which is interesting. And it's not a joke. She she like this is but but it's not an identification that we're familiar with. She has a sort of a whole construct attached to it. I, I didn't I didn't quite understand it when I heard her talking about it, but all right. Well, listen, uh, this has been a real privilege. I thank you for being here. Uh, I loved thank you the, the, the reco- people that are all the way in on recovery inspire me. And it, they, they help me go to the next day in terms of helping the reluctant to, to recover, uh, you know, and, and, and you never know who's going to get it. You never know. And it's, it's the recoveries that inspire everyone. Mm-hmm.
Perhaps you've been thinking about getting a backyard makeover. How about a Michael Phelps swim spa by Spa Masters? That's right. It combines the benefits of a pool with the therapy of a hot tub. Comes in a variety of sizes. You you know, if you have older folks in your family and the water buoyancy helps them relieve pressure on their joints so they can get some exercise in the water. And of course, if you're a swimmer, Michael Phelps Swim Spa is a great way to get a workout. 100% made in the U.S. by Master Spas. And you can go to masterspas.com and put in the promo code DREW to save $1,000 off a Michael Phelps Swim Spa or $500 on a Master Spas hot tub. That is masterspas.com. And the promo code is DREW, D-R-E-W. ED is more common than people think. In fact, 52% of men between the ages of 40 and 70 will experience some form of erectile dysfunction. And first of all, you should be getting that evaluated. And secondly, there's no reason just to sort of suffer with it. This is a completely treatable phenomenon. And with Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. Whole process, straightforward, convenient, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Drew and complete that online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a U.S. licensed healthcare professional and take care of it. Go now to GetRoman, R-O-M-A-N, GetRoman.com slash Drew. And if you're prescribed, get $15 off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this fall. Roman ready. And and we live in a world, and I want to sort of finish a little bit my position with this, which which recovery, unfortunately, is not for everybody. It, it's what I'm interested in in terms of treating people. But people are so far gone now on meth and fentanyl that we have to find half measures to save their life. Uh, the problem is those half measures and replacement therapies and you know Suboxone and Adderalls and all this stuff are being offered to everybody, and they are not good for everybody. They're good for people that you're trying just to save their life. You're not trying to create another Leah who's personality function changes, her relationship changes, her spiritual landscape changes, her sense of herself and her position in the world, all that changes in a real recovery. But not everyone can survive that. Not everybody everybody can do that. Some are sicker than others, as they say. That's true. But I do have hope for everybody that wants it. And if you want it, if you want it, then there's hope for you. But if you don't want it, pretty much doesn't usually happen. (laughs) Hard. So, <laughs> yeah. anything I've missed? Anything you want to mention in terms of uh, the show, or what's what else up with you? Or I honestly feel like we covered more than than I've even covered on any other podcast. So, thank you. It was a great conversation. Well, I appreciate it very much. Uh, we'll look for you on Real Housewives. Yes. Yes. Real Housewives of New York. Oh. Let me give out the the basics again now. So it's mttmnyc.com. Married to the Absolutely. Mob. By Women for Women, the book, the new book. Did you have a book before this? No. Okay, Chaos Theory, Finding Meaning in the Madness, One Bad Decision at a Time. You can see that it's worth your time to dig into a little bit. Uh, let me see if there's anything else. Uh-oh. I see a, a, a thing here that there's a shakeup in the cast. <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah, will, but I don't know any. But we'll see you there. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We don't know what's happening. Gary, what's your la- Gary smiling? My producer smiling. Uh, my wife loves that show, so I put that on there to see if you would ask it. And I feel like she gave us a strong <laughs> yes before you brought that up. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. No, go I, really, I really don't know. I just, I knew that then he hadn't obviously heard about the shakeup yet. That's why I was just like, yes, you'll see me back but i really i don't know so all right well that was just me I, trying to get some juice for my wife well, you, sorry i know how they produce these things they, <laughs> they, they come at them and go uh the ratings are failing if you want to have a job next year this you're gonna is, have to bring it this is an unusual thing this is a new one where andy cohen basically came out and said we're blowing up the cast we're not going to have these people back we're going to create a new version of the show which is basically new york housewife og where mm, we'll go back and bring back people from other mom. seasons and then they're going to try to create a new more diverse you know I cast see for the, the to revamp see. the show so this is a little unusual this isn't them threatening for contracts like they came out and blew it up with a press yeah. statement well mm, i know how they produce 
you know. Gary knows all about this. I think you might watch the show too, Gary. I mean, I, I love how, my how wife. Could he what are you going to do? He's what are you going to do? I love yeah, my wife. My, I watch 90 Day Fiance with my wife. <laughs> it's like, so, so. That's, yeah, where, that's, I draw, that's where I draw the line. Real Housewives? <laughs> okay. That. 90 Day? No, no. Who's your favorite 90 Day Fiance? Come on. Um. Well, I'm right now on this season or just in general? In, both. This, both. This season... Um. I'm kind of into, I mean, I like the, the Venezuelan guy with the American girl. Um, but also I'm into the, the Nigerian guy with the, with the, um, American woman. And he hasn't met his kid yet. Kobe, Kobe, his name. Oh, the brand new season. The brand new season. Oh yeah. 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 How about overall? Who do you like? Overall, it was that couple that like they, he couldn't speak a lick of English and she couldn't speak his language and they had to just do the talk to each other through it, the phone like, interpreting it in korea no he was from like kazakhstan or something <laughs> like some and and like the hit like the sons hated him i mean it's great I, I mean a lot of these people must have mental health issues right i mean oh, this is like well of course of course i mean i mean reality I mean, shows look for that they do right they because because the chaos <laughs> they, they want the chaos I, who wants and then also i love love after love Lockup, which those people have serious issues because they're looking for people in jail to marry. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've never even done anything like that. So. <laughs> even I haven't dropped to that one. Yeah, that's sort of wherever I draw the line. Oh, it's so. Funny. I draw the line there. I draw the line there. It's okay if you've been in prison, but you can't be in prison right now. <laughs> and that's hysterical. And Gary, how how that's really an interesting. That's a very telling statement. That's your old self coming forth. Gary, this is your chance to ask any questions you have about Real Housewives. No, Look, no. I, I I don't I'm not gonna lie and say I haven't watched every episode that she's been on. I, I kinda know the gist, but uh I don't really have any questions. I, I pitched that thing to you on your bio to try to get you to dig it out of her, but at this point she's on she's on the defense. So uh it's not on the defense. She's, I know, she's no, told I you what she can tell. No, but, I was kidding. I it's uh Leah's hilarious and uh her daughter's adorable oh. and she's just she's a great presence on the show so i hope they do bring her back is any, any of this interview surprising to you uh no but it's it, this is why i you you may not remember but i was the one who encouraged you to do this interview you, yeah you know you and i i pitch you guests and yeah. this one i kind of nudged you because i know i know how honestly it is about her life and i knew she'd kind of be perfect for you and yeah, she'd yeah. open up about the stuff that you love to talk about yeah so, yeah, yeah 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 so thank well, you for joining us, Leah. We appreciate it. Yeah. So thank you, Gary, for putting us together. Okay. I the the big the big the big uh, for me the big surprise is coming with our love of our love of mutual love of Camille Paglia. Who knew that was coming? I did not see that coming either. He <laughs> actually wait. Listen to this on my book. She wrote. Um, she wrote one of the things on the back of the read book. Read it. Read it. Okay. Alternately horrifying and hilarious, Liam McSweeney's lively memoir is the scorchingly honest confession of a self-described chaos junkie. Prankster, adventurous, and gorder of nuns, Leah brings her (laughs) to the stuffy salons of the Uptown and Hamptons elite in the Real Housewives of New York City. She also wrote more that got cut out, saying that I'm her favorite on-screen comedian. Comedian. I mean, I'm not. Even, I don't know what she's talking about. Don't even try to be funny. But thank you, Camille. Love you. You know, it occurs to me also. You ought to. You ought to get your pen out a little bit too, and and talk about or write about ce- celebrities in the news and what they're actually going through because you you could see through all the bullshit. I'm sure. My agent, my agent tells me this too. My book agent, but mm. I'm just like. Sometimes I'm just like you said, the, the burnout, the burnout. I know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll I'll bug you to do something. We can do something together or something because <laughs> because it's it's important to have that. Know. You know, I'm a doctor, so I'm already they don't want to hear me. But somebody who's had the experience, you know what I mean that that gets through. So, all right. Well, listen, uh, pleasure. Uh, if you're out in Los, uh, where do you hang in New York? Are you now in the what part of town are you in? I, I live downtown. Way down. The city. Down, way down, way down the battery or something. Will, so we're we're at Hudson Yards all the time, and we're there a lot. So if you're out and about. Let me know. All right. I would love that. Okay. I would absolutely love that. Thanks for having right. me. Pleasure. Thanks. Okay. Leah. Bye. Leah McSween, everybody. We'll see you next time. 
For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. this month stream the funniest films for free on pluto tv watch comedy classics like anchorman the legend of ron burgundy and mean girls or drop in for a tyler perry marathon with a medea family funeral and medea's witness protection pluto tv also has hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and tv shows like get shorty be cool key and peel comedy in color and more and no contracts no subscriptions no fees no joke so download the pluto tv app on your favorite streaming device and start laughing today pluto tv drop in watch for 